Today's gospel lesson comes from John chapter 11, verses 32 through 44. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you lain him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Katie, for reading that. For we who are trying to follow Jesus, and I do use that term advisedly, I find that gives us a more honest, humble, room for error space. Instead of saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, there's a difference to those of us who are trying to follow Jesus, because we don't always follow Jesus. But we're trying. And part of trying to follow Jesus is to look at what Jesus says and does, and to try and imitate him, to try and do what Jesus did. For Jesus was in the flow of God's love, and that's when you can tell whether we are faithfully following Jesus to ask ourselves, are we in the flow of God's love? So in this particular passage, to try to follow Jesus is to go to people and situations where people are grieving. Jesus not only goes to Mary and Martha who are grieving, but he weeps with them. Sometimes when we go to people who are grieving, there are no words to say that will take away their pain. And all we can do is be with them while they're weeping, maybe even weep with them. And then Jesus says to Mary and Martha, take me to where you have laid him. Take me to the grave. Take me to where the stone has been rolled 
in front of the grave. And sometimes we who are trying to follow Jesus are invited to do the same thing. Perhaps by saying, tell me about your grief. Tell me your story of loss. And when we open that door of invitation, we are doing what Jesus did, where he said, take me to your place of grief. And sometimes when folks are willing to share that, all of a sudden their pain is lessened. Their sense of being alone is taken away. And they realize they're not alone in this journey of grieving. And Jesus goes to their space of grief, raises Lazarus from the dead, and reminds everyone there that we are all a part of God's rhythm and language of death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. Which, when we can take in, brings comfort because we know that we're all in God's hands and we know that our loved ones and their dying is in God's hands. And we know that there is a purpose and an importance to grieving. Jesus said, blessed are those who grieve for they will be comforted. Do you see the inherent value Jesus is placing in grieving. When we go through a loss of any kind, we have a choice. Will we become better or will we become bitter? I think that God wants us to become better and not bitter. I can assure you that one way to become better is to own the losses that we all have, to grieve them, to cry over them, to name them, and not deny them or run away from them. Friends, I know so many bitter people who have chosen not to grieve, whatever their losses are, and they are stuck in bitterness. I also know people who have grieved and their hearts have become more tender, more forgiving, more loving, and they become better people. That is often our choice. Do we become better or bitter? Sometimes grieving is not just over a love which is often expressed as the last expression of love. Grief is the last expression of love. Isn't that a beautiful way of looking at grief? Grief is also sometimes complex because we're grieving something that never was. Or we're grieving something that we hoped for, but it never came to fruition. And that is a more complex grief, but it is an honest grief. And I can't tell you how many people 
have come to me after a funeral and said, thank you for saying we're not only grieving the loss of a loved one, but we're, we're grieving hopes that were not fulfilled. Because in reality, that's so many people's experience. A hope that was never fulfilled, and that's worth grieving. I sense that we as a nation are grieving this week, the week past, because there have been so many interfaith prayer services and vigils to remember the 11 faithful Jewish brothers and sisters of ours who were killed in Pittsburgh by an anti-Semitic white man with a gun. And we're grieving not only for the Tree of Life community, but we're grieving for all people of conscience, all people of faith, because this was a, an attack on a faith community. And many people of faith and many people of goodwill and conscience are saying, this is not the America that we know. And this is not the country that we want to be in. We want to be in a country that accepts all people regardless of their faith backgrounds. And we are grieving perhaps the loss of innocence. We are grieving that violence and hatred have been emboldened in our nation at this time. I went to a prayer service in Summit on Thursday night, a temple or shalom. Rabbi, Rabbi Avi Friedman, who's the rabbi there, 13 years ago he was the rabbi in Pittsburgh at Tree of Life. And he knew some of the people who were killed. And he invited Summit and Chatham and New Providence and people in his circle to come and grieve with him and with them. They printed out 300 bulletins. 800 people showed up. Some of you were there. And we sang together. And we lifted up the names of the 11 and told a little bit about them. When we come together today to light candles and remember our saints and touch our grief and go to the place of our pain, we will say their names and we will also say the names of those 11 brothers and sisters of ours who were killed in the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh. On Friday night, I went to Temple Beth Am in Springfield, where my friend of over 20 years, Rabbi Mark Malik, is the rabbi. And he came and spoke a few years ago at one of our Abraham lunches, where we had Jews and Muslims and Christians come together in Rada Hall for a lunch and conversation together. He said that one of the people who was killed in Pittsburgh actually graduated from Jonathan Dayton High School in Springfield, New Jersey in 1969 and grew up Jewish in Springfield 
and we grieved together on Friday night, and we remembered. And people of different faith traditions stood in solidarity with one another to say, we're with you. We can't take away your pain, but we can be with you in your pain. Friends, that's what we do today. We stand with one another in our pain. I learned something this week that may be helpful to more than just me. At both the service on Thursday night and on Friday night, we prayed together the mourner's Kaddish, which is an ancient prayer that Jewish people have prayed together whenever they go through a loss, a death. And what I learned this week from both rabbis was that in these sacred words of the mourner's Kaddish, death is not mentioned. Grief is not mentioned. The prayer is filled with praise for the living God. It is a prayer of praise, of thanksgiving for who God is. Our Jewish brothers and sisters have practiced this. They have been intentional about this. That when they go through a loss, their response is to praise the living God. And it puts them in the big picture of God's grace and God's sovereignty. And that brings comfort. And so, I pray this, these words on our behalf. And at certain points, your response will be to say, Amen. I will make that clear. The mourners, Kaddish. Exalted and hallowed be God's great name in the world which God created according to plan. May God's majesty be revealed in the days of our lifetime and in the life of all Israel. Speedily, imminently, to which we say, Amen. Blessed be God's great name to all eternity. Blessed, praised, honored, exalted, extolled, glorified, adored, and lauded be the name of the Holy Blessed One beyond all earthly words and songs of blessing, praise, and comfort to which we say, Amen. May there be abundant peace from heaven and life for us and all Israel to which we say, Amen. May the one who creates harmony on high bring peace to us and to all Israel to which we say.
Amen. Amen.